We're paying $370 to make our own glass of Coca-Cola on this Consumer Goods Edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean Riley here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Tuesday, September 29th, 2015, and with me today is the legend, wait for it, Derry, Vincent Chen. How's it going, Vince? I'm doing well, Sean. I was watching How I Met Your Mother reruns last night with my family on Netflix, and I just had to do it. That explains it. Uh, So we've got a bunch to touch upon today, including the much-hailed release of The Keurig Cold, Comcast is buying a theme park, but first, Japan Tobacco Group is buying the international business of Natural American Spirit for $5 billion from... uh, uh, Reynolds American. Reynolds American, thank you. Uh, Vince, Reynolds couldn't actually be hurting for cash, so why are they doing this? Well, actually, the rationale overall, I think, for both these guys, it, it's a good deal on both ends. You know, On the one hand, Japan Tobacco is looking for growth, and on the other hand, Reynolds American, their debt balance is up quite a bit uh, since funding their acquisition. So they are hurting for cash in a way. So, you know, their uh their debt balance is up to about eighteen billion dollars okay, this so recent that is a quarter. So, you know, reining in their dividend payout ratio, reining in the debt levels and potentially allowing them to reinstitute their share buyback program, that five billion dollars. Are they, were they trying to pretend that they're an Altria? Because the reason I said what I said was because tobacco is notoriously cash flow positive. Like it just rains money. And uh, it just kind of surprised me that they had a debt balance like that. Like, what's the deal? Well, it's part of their. It's from the acquisition. You know, Lorelai cost them about twenty five billion dollars, and they had to take on a lot of debt uh, to close that deal to make the acquisition, which ultimately, I think, definitely strengthened their uh, portfolio of brands and was a very important deal for them. But uh, you know, as you mentioned, Reynolds American received about five billion dollars from this deal, and really, Japan wants those. It really wants those because uh, this is just the international rights. We're exactly about. the international yeah. rights for natural American spirits because it's enjoying really good growth. The brand's generally considered a premium brand. It's known as being additive free, uh, sometimes organic for some of their some of their offerings, and obviously that's very popular right now, especially among younger smokers. Uh, they're seeing a lot of success with the brand in places like Japan, Germany, Switzerland, um, the UK, Spain. And the thing is, you know, Japan Tobacco isn't a stranger to these kinds of deals. It's seeing smoking rates in uh, its home market uh, decrease among both men and women significantly. So it's going international. Yes, in Japan, in its home market. So it's going international to fuel growth. Um, Previously, it's acquired international operations for brands like Camel, Winston, Benson, and Hedges. So. Uh, again, no stranger to these deals. Though some of those were really big, like eighteen billion dollars, I think, for the last one. So five so, billion dollars for for Natural American Spirit, and I I will mention uh, there's a report from Wells Fargo, and they mentioned really interesting number uh, where basically Japan for Natural American Spirits in Japan they've seen volume growth of thirty six percent, compound annual growth rate over three years. Wow. So yeah. When you think about the fact that you know purchase price about five billion dollars, the fact that uh, for the international yeah. American spirit business only did about $150 million of revenue in 2014. That's paying 30 times plus That's sales. That's insane. Yeah. The reason for that is that growth. Right. Wow. Okay. So, what's the benefit for Reynolds other than paying down debt? I mean, is that pretty much it? Uh, you know, management indicates. I'm that surprised they wanted to give up their growth business. Yeah, but, but that's the, a big price tag. So. Yeah, but the thing is. 
um, it's kind of like a surprise reduction to shareholders for that debt balance, like I mentioned. But they're holding on to the internet, uh, the domestic, right? Uh, the domestic rights for American Spirits, which is just as important. It's by far the biggest market, right? Um, it's you know one of their one of the strongest portfolio or brands that they have in their portfolio. Uh, so they get to hold on to the high growth of American Spirit within the U.S., which is like, I think it's like doubled since 2009 yeah. volume pass in sales. So realistically, you know this works for them. What they need to manage their balance sheet, and at the same time, they get to hold on to that growth right with the American Spirit brand and. Japan Tobacco benefits with what they need to grow internationally as well. Cool. Okay. Well, before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to a our brand new focus.fool.com redesign site. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry-focused listeners. All Loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And moving on to uh, Keurig Green Mountain's cold finally hitting the market. Oh, boy. Man, oh, man. Um, For our listeners that may or may not be aware, this is a story we've talked about before. Um, Vince, real quick form, run up down. What's the cold? Why is it so expensive? <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, we we talked about this not too long ago. Maybe yeah, it's probably a month ago. at most. Yeah, um, and we I think we looked at it overall in terms of Keurig's business. So uh, Keurig officially released the Colt today. Uh, you can go on their website online. I assume. Yeah, you can go on their website and buy it. The price direct from Keurig is a surprising three sixty nine ninety nine. Because even in investor presentations, they were talking about two ninety nine. And that's so, what it is with promotions. It's direct from yeah. Keurig is three sixty nine ninety nine. You can get it through other retail retailers, I think, with some promotions that will bring that price in down limited quantities to two ninety nine ninety nine. Um, it, they're also going to be releasing it in certain of their, I guess, key markets over the next few weeks. So that includes Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, Dallas, LA, and New York. And um, you know, we've talked about some of the perks that they're going to enjoy. Yeah. With the so um, again, for us and may to be aware. Everybody's heard of the Keurig machines. You, somebody we know owns them, and you can make a hot beverage with the little pods. You know whether it's a knockoff pot or not doesn't matter at this point. Um, but you make a cup of coffee, hot chocolate, whatever. With the cold, it's a cold beverage, and they're it's act- arguably it's cool because Coca Cola owns sixteen percent of this company. Seventeen percent, yeah, yeah, sixteen point eight, and um, you know you can make your own glass of Coca Cola, Sprite. I mean, whatever in your house. Um, what are the prices of these pods? So I think that's the big sell here. Um, the price of the system obviously very high compared to some competitors, where it co- might come in at like eighty dollars for that base system. But you get to make a Coca Cola or a Sprite or a Dr Pepper at home. Um, and the thing is, you know, eight ounce serving pod uh, will come out to about a dollar between dollar dollar twenty five. So on the pri- price wise, that's not competitive when you can buy a pack of cans. Maybe you might pay thirty cents per can right. for twelve ounce serving. So, are you paying for novelty here? Like, what's the deal? I think it's a combination <laughs> of you know the coolness factor of this kind of technology, where the fact is, you know, between putting your pot in and then having the the you know glass of Coca Cola served, it only takes thirty seconds, and it will chill room right. temperature water to co- to very cold. I think it was like 33 degrees for the carbonation to work properly. Oh, wow! Within th- you know within that time, so right. very fast, and um, they're touting the technology. So this is a very that. advanced machine. So it's like, very it's, no, it is definitely yeah. interesting for sure. Um, and that price though, so I think it's going to be it's going to be an uh, uh, it's going to appeal to people who kind of like to have that 
cutting edge technology a bit to show off to do a lot of entertaining, um, and they are not going to be as price conscious. Frankly, right. um, two other things, and we'll move on to our our last story of the day here. Um, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but what do you think the over under is on them getting these cold machines in at least five million homes? Because we've seen their business model. What they want is to get the machine in as many homes as possible, and then the money just comes in from selling the pots. That was eighty four percent of the revenues uh, in the past year. Okay, so you know right now. Their original Keurig system for the hot for the coffee, they have that in what twenty million homes, yeah, 20, right? Give or okay, take, yeah. so management hasn't given a specific forecast for the gold, but they've mentioned that they expect to sell uh, hundreds of thousands of systems within the first year in the market. Okay, okay, we'll see. <laughs> um, and the thing is, that's really important that they do hit you know a, a, a sizable number like that because of the fact that the New York Times mentioned that Keurig will spend approximately $200 million developing the cold system this year and next year. Which is crazy because I was looking at their CapEx numbers yesterday and I think, and I'd have to double check, but I was on uh, S&P Capital IQ yesterday, I think their CapEx last year and the fiscal year ended the end of September 2014 was like four $450 million. So they're they're spending the bucks here. Of course. Um, so, the other thing I want to mention, just because uh, I feel the need to be a coward and hedge my bets here a little bit, uh, all pricing aside on the cold, um, the one angle that I think they might have something there is you will be able to make cocktails with this thing mm-hmm. and that, a little bit of margarita. And I could see that working for parties or something. Sure. Like you could, I mean, well, who I, wants to bust out a blender at a party? The, you, know? Pr- you know, the premium pricing for both the system and the pods indicates that they're not trying to. Market this thing to like a budget-minded consumer, yeah. Somebody who does a lot of entertaining, like we mentioned, somebody who wants like this kind of cool new technology. Um, I'm still bearish overall, um, right? I just think it's a little too expensive. But it's, I say we need at least a year to see well, what the sales for the system amount to. Yeah, um, you know, if it develops like a strong foundation of uh, users, and then they can develop the pod sales like they do with the coffee machines. Yeah, and um, right now, you know. Management has a lot staked on this with the fact that Kira 2.0 didn't do that well. They have had layoffs, some management shakeups, stocks down 60% over the past 12 months. So, Rough. Okay. Well, moving on to our last story of the day. Uh, Comcast isn't satisfied owning NBC, I suppose, and they are buying a 51% stake in Universal Studios Japan from basically Goldman Sachs. Uh, what's what's going on? Yeah, so Comcast made a really big, one of its bigger international investments, uh, like you mentioned, for a majority stake in Universal Studios Japan. So the thing is, uh, Comcast already does operate some theme parks through its NBC Universal right. name, and uh, all those are domestic, I believe in Florida and yeah. California. Uh, so it does get receive fees for intellectual property and some other services uh, from Universal Studios Japan, and I believe it's Singapore right. as well. So it's purchasing this uh, stake, though, uh, from uh, Goldman Sachs, private equity firms, guys, MB- yeah. MBK and PhD, Which I didn't know at all. Owl Creek Asset, uh, Asset Management. Um, and the thing is, I don't know, I think this is kind of a, an interesting look into what Comcast is pursuing now. They want to since, own Harry Potter. Then. Since their Time Warner Cable <laughs> deal fell through. Because you know that basically was their focus for so long, right? That got blocked by uh, right. you know the regulatory authorities, and now we're kind of getting a glimpse into what their next steps are. Do you feel like um, you know we can get the rationale for this deal uh, in a minute? But um, it almost seems like they're trying to uh, pivot to things that are harder to replicate because content. I mean. 
you had the the new kids on the block, like Netflix and Amazon Prime coming in, spending five million dollars an episode, winning five Emmys and all this stuff. Sure, um, it's it's a tough world out there in the content world. But if you own the intellectual property rights to stuff like Harry Potter and you own, you know, the best theme parks in the world or whatever, you're going to get customers that don't just want to sit at home and watch stuff on TV, on Netflix. Sure, sure. And the thing is, you know, I think it's important that you've mentioned Harry Potter a few times because uh, that park, Universal Studios Japan, opened their, what was it, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter or something along those lines. So basically, major Harry Potter attractions in the past year. And that has uh, contributed to a lot of their growth. Uh, The park saw record number of visitors. It's up 20% to 12.7 visitors for the most recent year. And that's a lot of that's crazy driven, growth. And the thing is, a lot of that's driven by the new attractions, but also overall a very robust uh, theme park yeah. environment right now in Japan. Well, uh, and Disney, Disney is minting money on their theme parks. Like people don't realize that. I think something crazy, like two thirds, just something. All the Walt Disney Corporation, the biggest chunk of their capex is on new rides and stuff. Sure, that is their. The, people don't. And the other thing is, it's a smart investment because. If you build a really cool ride, you get 50 years worth of value out of it. Mm-hmm. You don't get that with a movie. Um, you know, how, how many years have they had like the Haunted Mansion at Disney World? I mean, it's been around for, you know, since 1960 or something. Um, so anyway, what is and, uh, uh, Comcast thinking with this? Okay, so um, Japan, like I mentioned, overall seeing really robust... Uh, theme park attendance, and this kind of extends to Asia overall. Right. Uh, NBC Universal's they're going to be uh, making plans to open another theme park in Beijing as well. Like China's becoming the new like battleground for these for Six Flags for Disney. Could it possibly be because of the 1.2 billion people with a burgeoning middle class? Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, huge uh, numbers of visitors through that whole region, and. Uh, for Comcast, you know, its theme park segment has been contributing some of its, some of its most robust growth recently. Uh, for the most recent quarter, the theme parks saw twenty five percent saw revenue grow twenty five point seven percent year over year, and al- along with its filmed entertainment division, those were like by far the two best growing uh, segments. Wow. And for Comcast, you know, them delving out expanding internationally this is like one of their mm-hmm. biggest investments so far in that realm i almost wonder if this is the the first of many like mm-hmm. i wonder if they see the future of just theme parks and asian they're like yeah we gotta get in on this it's doing very well for them you know disney has that other park opening uh in shanghai soon which they're expecting to be their biggest park even bigger than uh than uh their main in orlando attraction, and, like, yeah in orlando for disney world so Definitely a lot of growth opportunities in China, Japan, Asia region overall. Lots of uh, you know, lots of growth in tourism. So we're gonna we're gonna have to do a uh, a theme park themed show before long. I would like to recommend that we go test it out firsthand. I, I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. Thank you. Have a good one. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about. And the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Vincent Chen, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.